0: Welcome back to Full Metal RPG Your host, Brendan Carrion Episode 86 Oh yeah This is the uh, Pathfinder 1st Edition Deep Dive And today I'm joined by my good buddy Willie B, what do you think, man? you down? Hey, man. Are, are hey you, Brendan are, are, you, are you a, a Willie B?
1: I'm Willie B here coming with you
0: with the Pathfinder uh, opinions the hot takes on the Pathfinder um. Yeah, man, it's been a hot man, since I have seen you. This yeah, is like yeah, the first time the... I've seen you in like a couple months or something. Yeah, it was.
1: It seems like yeah, since was it Christmas or Dude, I don't know. Oh yeah, it was Christmas.
0: Yeah, yeah shit, was man. A good time. Time's been getting away from us. How uh, has the East Side Gaming been going on Monster Mo- Monster Monday? Oh,
1: Monster Mondays has been fun. We you know we were doing a little uh, uh, Hero Quest, which was wonderful. Oh right, and yeah, it was entertaining. Uh, my first venture into Hero Quest. Uh, and then, uh, we, I ran a little beyond the wall for, uh, Daryl and a, a couple other friends, including Zig. Ashley.
0: How did, um, be the wall go?
1: It's great because the, you know, the group of four players, it's sort of, it's like, okay, I'm like, wow, well, how's this going to fit? How's this going to fill out? You basically, it's sort of a blend between, uh, some of the, uh, playbook style things. You build your characters through a playbook, but then you, they don't have moves, So, like, you build relationships, build other things. You build your backstory through some randomization, and so it gives you that real uh, apocalypse world feel. But then the play itself is OSR. You know, it's very much you know OSR D and D flat.
0: It's kind of like how um, the OSR worlds and the narrative worlds, that for all these years we've been being told by like the people who are like the high priests of those communities, like oh they're very separate, they're super separate worlds, we're at war, but like. As the years go by, the products start yeah, becoming you can, closer and yeah, closer you can, together. Yeah, you can
1: blend those two things, and and I actually like that. I mean, it's the actual uh, setting and stuff is a little bit more Lloyd Alexander assistant pig keeper. It's a little bit more meant to be a little bit more whimsical, and for you know young characters, village, and the idea is to give the characters reasons to want to protect the village and to interact. Hey, they've got relationships with each other. It's basically and it does a good job of that. Basically, saying hey, you've got these ties, and then it plays out. You know, and basically you, you sort of it helps build the setting quickly of like, hey, you know, old so-and-so. Yeah, they're always calling trouble, but but they're one of uh, us, and, you know.
0: So there's kind of a little it's sort of like a bucolic kind of feel yes. to it. Yes,
1: a little bit. I mean, you can insert other things. There's definitely ways you can insert, you know, you can spin that tone with some horror or, or, or high fantasy or whatever. But it's, yeah, it's very, that's the base.
0: Is it is it cynical or is it kind of um, optimistic? Does it have what's the? What's its I, I, I think take? What's I think it's,
1: it's optimistic. I mean, I think it's you know sort of based you know a little bit you know sort of heroic fantasy, but without the power. So it's like you know you know a little bit. Again, Lloyd Alexander is an influence. Uh, you know, maybe The Hobbit. So it's not Lord of the Rings epic. It's like okay, you're going to do something, but you're just a you're just a person starting out with. You're not super powerful. You just you know, happen to be in circumstances where you want to be brave because there's something on the line for you.
0: Well, that sounds sick. That sounds good. I mean, I gotta say, that's like the best uh, uh, description of it I've heard. So it's, pretty yeah. so it's pretty red. Yeah, it's good. It's I mean, red. I could see
1: where you could take the premise and do it for, and that's what you know. I like to do is basically hack it into other things, but you know.
0: Ah uh, yes, the GM's dilemma: Do I play it as it lies, or do I hack it into other things and then put it on Kickstarter a few weeks later? <laughs> Here's my game. That's exactly this game, only with two changes. All right, so uh, this episode of Full Metal RPG is sponsored by our latest patron, Wolfmungus. Wolfmungus is back. He 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 came back. He had to go away for a little bit, but he came back. Welcome back, Wolfmungus. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for your patronage. Uh, you can find Wolfmungus on Instagram or on our Discord. You should go check it out and hang out with uh, Wolfmungus, man. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a great yep. guy. Really nice helped. to
1: have him back. He's always been active on the social media feed. mm
0: mm-hmm. and- He's one of our most dedicated commenters and uh, he's always got up to something in the Discord. And In fact, he and I even like did a uh, Warhammer Army swap via the mail. Oh, he, nice. He just put a Warhammer Army in the mail and I put a Warhammer Army in the mail and we just sent them to each other. Um, in the meantime, many things go out to all our other patrons who make Full Metal RPG possible as well. For as little as $1 a month, you can help grow the podcast you hate to love. If you would buy us a drink, please consider supporting us on patreon so william we have this new section did you hear about it
1: yes the black hole the black hole
0: the black hole into which your money time and attention escapes <laughs> my god <laughs> role playing it is uh, yeah. so what uh what uh what has been what has been disappearing to the black hole for you the man burdens
1: actually i for a change over the yeah, 2019 my my leaf turning over was yeah you know this role-playing game thing that i spend a lot of money and and, and time thinking about and, and yabbering about how about i actually play some games how about six, I actually could play some
0: nice nice so i've
1: actually you know Started playing a a 5e game that's basically set in the Simbarum world, which is a Swedish game. Uh, Love the setting. It's awesome. The game's going pretty well for it. There's still growing pains with how the uh, system, just try to get the system to, you know, promote that feeling of, of, you know, of nervousness and almost uh, paranoia. Right, you're using fifth, right? Yeah, so it's you know, so the GM's yeah. tweaking it or DM's
0: tweaking it. So that's that's we'll see. a that's a tough road to hoe. Are you familiar with the the game Trophy that just funded on Kickstarter?
1: Uh, the, only by name.
0: It's so. uh actually kind of a hack. Since we're just speaking of hacks, it was it was started out as an uh, uh, a uh, apocalypse engine hack of Simbarum, and then it became its own thing. And so uh, it's got. I mean, I, I backed it, so when I get it, I'll show it to you. Oh, really? Okay. It's, it's, it's really supposed to be about that feeling of tension, like like bringing that feeling of tension in adventuring to the front. So there's two two modes of play. The first mode is... um you're going into this like adventure where you're doomed and it's supposed to be for a one shot and you're, you're, it's
1: horrible. Oh yeah, I did. I read about that. And then there's a yeah. campaign mode that's yes. not quite, it's still horrid, but it's like there's, you've got a little bit of a chance now.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and like to be in, it's, it's almost got this kind of like, I, I, I interpret it as kind of like a late stage capitalism take where it's like the costs of living are so high that when you go into the dungeon, you're always kind of like pushing. You're like, Oh, well, if we go in one more level, and, you know, you know, but then all this horrifying shit happens to you when you get in there. Yeah, so, I think uh,
1: so. Yeah, so it's basically uh, futuristic, as in our future in five years,
0: as in our, <laughs> as in now. Yeah, that's right. That's basically, here. Uh, after this, uh, this podcast, I'll be going to my shift at the Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yep but um Chang. oh god anyway uh so what have i been doing in the what's been going is that all you wanted to say about uh,
1: simbara i've been playing a little pathfinder second edition and organized play and we can sort of get to that later yeah
0: i'm interested but
1: speaking of taco bell it's sort of like that it's like role playing it's like it's like well you know i'd really like a steak or a fine meal (laughs) but i'm starving (laughs) and i can't find anything else right now i'll go do this so it's you know
0: (laughs) you know taco bell does have steak (laughs) it says right there on the menu steak taco (laughs) yeah okay yeah okay (laughs) um i've been riding ravenous a lot i think the last time we talked about the black hole i think i talked about ravenous then but um after a period along writer's block i think i said this last time but still uh it it still matters it's still what's going on um i've been riding ravenous a lot again recently and uh that's been taking up a lot of my kind of like mental energy. And of course, once you have breakthroughs and you start having more breakthroughs, so... um.
1: Well, you need to ride the creativity wave because you like, see, you hit lulls and you yeah, know, so when the, dude, iron, the iron's
0: hot... You the lulls it. are so painful too. They're just brutal. They're just, um, oh my God, it's a terrible sensation. And um. so the latest pages are into Magpie. And uh, this weekend, after we do this podcast, this podcast I think will be uh, oh, oh oh next week. It's next yep. week. I'm actually running for um some of the Magpie crew. They're going oh, nice. to play through some of it, ah. and then we're going to kind of tighten some things up, I guess, and then we're off to the races in terms of printing the actual book. Um, then uh, I got these two new systems that I kind of like. I, I'm fascinated with these two TV shows. I, 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 tell me if you've seen either of them. Have you either seen Succession on HBO or Fleabag on Amazon? Yeah,
1: I have not seen Succession. I love Fleabag.
0: Fleabag is amazing. It's an amazing show. It's an amazing show. Succession is similar in that it focuses on the goings-on of this incredibly toxic family. Just incredibly.
1: Let me guess. They have money?
0: Tons of money. Okay, they have more money than God, Right. I I tell people that Succession isn't really about... It's not really like a soap opera about rich people. What you have to go into it watching is that the writers seem acutely aware of Shakespearean archetypes, right? And so it's kind of like how Shakespeare wrote about people who had their hand on the wheel of empire. So do these people, right? But that's not what the show's about. The show's not about having your hand on the wheel of empire. The show is about like, 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 I'm an old man and I don't want to give up you know, my legacy, but so I'm going to set my kids against each other and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nice. One, one of them will emerge So uh, Oh, I clearly, see. So, you so, know? Yeah,
1: so we're going to do a little f- uh, family version of Survival of the Fittest.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, both uh, Fleabag and Succession are about these these crazy toxic families, and I love both those shows because I guess, I guess it, when it comes down to it, while I started out trying to write a cool game about cool vampires or whatever, I ended up writing kind of this, I ended up when the game really took off it was kind of when i was able to write about like my life and like my upbringing and like the problems, or whatever you know, yeah, the
1: relationships and, and the nest, and you know, the things coming, <laughs> people coming in and out of the nest, and and
0: and, and just how hard it is like, how, how there's this kind of expectation that we're supposed to get along well with our family, but that, it, that those are some of the most difficult relationships <laughs> that you can have, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. right?
1: Well, it, it is, it's yeah, it maybe, and I don't know if that's why you're because you're set up for those expectations, or you know, I. Or they know you so well, they know how to get to you, or you just, I don't know, it's like a combination. I mean, it goes on in my family. I mean, I'm... Sure. I
0: I think a lot of people can relate to this.
1: And I'm the youngest, so I was in nine years after, they were all nine years together, I was... You know, oh wow yeah you know, catholics trying to learn to use birth control sure but uh you know i nice. sli- i slipped through like Harry houdini <laughs> but so I, I i missed out on a lot of this stuff but i mean it's it's even now it's like there's basically with my older siblings it's like there's some tension and stuff that just and it's like you know it's like i don't know
0: it's yeah i know it's weird, I mean, it's when weird. You, have,
1: you know when you come a family of five though not everybody's gonna get along so you it's know, a,
0: it's a weird chemistry it's a weird chemistry but um I've been, uh, there's, there's, if you watch those shows, you'll notice that a number of episodes per season will revolve around the whole family being in, like, either a house or in a room together. And they'll be, and, and maybe the couple people will leave the room now and again, right? And the, and the, and the camera kind of pulls in real tight on the interactions that people have when they're in this really constrained space. And that's one of the things that's been kind of like, I wouldn't say bothering me about Ravenous, but one of the things that I find kind of concerning about it is that uh, people sometimes range out, and they go out, and they have their own adventures and stuff, and then they come back to the family. When they come back to the family, then they still make problems. But um, I really want to find a way, especially after watching these shows, to to talk about this. these really tight...
1: I mean, if you could bring that you know, dynamic to a role-playing game where it's... Okay, the characters are interacting as characters, and you're like just letting them go. That would be amazing because for me, a big part of the role playing experience is to having that interaction, rather than just sitting around a table like lumps and having the GM basically vomit fun on you for four hours and your your mouths unhinge like baby (laughs) birds or snake and just you wait for the and it's like and it's just like you know as a GM that just as I see that you know that you know whatever dead eyed expectation it's like okay this is just killing it for me
0: oh yeah oh yeah that is the the worst moment as the gm that i have literally like rage quit games in that moment where i just like slam my books closed i'm like i'm fucking leaving i'm done you know what i'm saying because yeah, like, like yeah. i can't i can't i can't even what you want a fucking like bear on a unicycle that juggles go get that <laughs> well, go get that I'm, well, that's
1: not me i mean it's for me i'm i'm you know not as good with the with the uh you know, the impromptu. So I like to prepare and prep, you know, takes time. It's like, for me, it's like I prep probably is not quite as probably as many hours ish, depending on what I'm working on as the game runs. And it's like, if I'm going to go through that, it's like, I, you know, I need some, I need, I need fed too here. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, the GM has to get fed or else. What's the fucking point? Anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I really feel like there's two systems that I'm kind of, I've written down some shit to try and make this work. Don't know if it's gonna work yet. That's like kind of exciting. I'm like, fuck yeah, man! I'm like writing new shit for Ravenous. Like, fuck, uh, this will be additional crap that's in the book because this is this none of this shit is gonna be in the ash can. This will be in the full game. Okay. So, right, so you're. So it's you know I'm 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 trying to take that core experience. that I'm learning so much about and move it into this like new realm, this next at, level. I've, I've noticed you know? that
1: in the new game, or like game design and games where they add on these modules. And it's, I'm really impressed. Yeah. I'm really impressed by people that can do that. And, and it seems like it integrates well or, I would think that would be challenging to have it where this, where instead it just looks like, oh, here's a room off here that's not even connected to the house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're describing like any number of 3.5 books, but we'll get to that in just a moment. <laughs> All right, so uh, just to remind everybody who has tuned in, Fullmetal RPG continues to be supported by Exalted Funeral. Stop by our friends at exaltedfuneral.com and get the very best in underground role-playing and esoterica. Exalted Funeral, our friends of the show, and your one-stop shop for all the weird role-playing material that you don't want to spend a dozen different international shipping fees to get. Check them out today and let them know that we sent you. Also, check out Bonus Episode 34 with Matt Kelly and learn all about this great shop. From the horse's mouth, exaltedfunerals.com. All right, now on to the show, William, my friend. We yes, are, sir. We are gathered here today to talk about Pathfinder First Edition, because you and I were on the um, full mill RPG, the little like mini, the mini one that's for like the host host people, or whatever, where we make all of our plans. And we, one day we just started talking about Pathfinder, right? And then RBK came on and was like, "Hey, uh, you guys need to put this somewhere that uh, listeners can hear it." Because, cause I think he's just sick of his phone going on. Well, I, think,
1: I think it could be both. It's like, it's like, hey, some people might
0: want to hear about this. Not me, but some people. Dotes, dotes, dotes. Like I could, I could, I could really hear the tension in his uh, text where he was just like, the subtext definitely was, this is for. Planning the podcast—it's not for like literally a two-hour yeah, yeah, yeah. going text off on conversation on this stuff about you know, Pathfinder.
1: Suddenly, Brendan's re-energized about Pathfinder. Suddenly, well, yeah. suddenly Williams re- rediscovered this game. It's like I'm once again taking that thing of like it's like a it's like a bad
0: relationship or something. It's like it's going to be different this time. We well, see. Okay, that's the thing. Okay, now let's. Here's the thing: we've said much about Pathfinder on this show, right? Uh, and I think I've said some good things. I think I've probably said a lot more bad things. And so it may come to a big surprise. People learn that uh, the next big game I'm planning, because I'm currently in the process of, of, of researching, and I'm, I'm doing one of those games. You have got to research it, and I'm writing It's it going to be a Pathfinder game. I'm going to do a Pathfinder first edition. I'm going to do an adventure path. I'm gonna do uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne, and uh, my friend William here is gonna play. Is that right? Yep.
1: I am like, very excited to play in that. I played in like one quarter of the first book on a play-by-post. Enjoyed the background, didn't get to you know, play very long, but yeah, it's it starts off very well, and they s- sucks the characters in, and it sounds like there's certain things in it that I don't know about that Brendan uh, likes very much uh, tonally.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's uh, That is a great. I thus I haven't read the whole thing because right now it's it's like all the first edition stuff that is very the very very early first edition stuff. Like right now, the uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne is actually one of the adventure paths that they did that was pre first edition. It was w- during the uh, Pathfinder OGL, and Pathfinder did not ins- it did not refer to a game at that point. It basically referred to like a series of adventure modules that were interconnected. Yeah,
1: it was sort of like a. What's the uh, green Ronin? Siri thinks I'm talking
0: to her. No. Anyway, all right. (laughs) Yeah, like the yeah, uh, Freeport. Yeah, Freeport. Freeport. It's like like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of looking around for uh. Here's the thing: is that ever since I got back to Phoenix from L.A., I've actually been kind of collecting Pathfinder books, like on the sly. I've like had this little collection of them growing and I kind of stuck them over in this corner and, and, and there weren't many of them. There were like maybe 10 because I had six. Yeah, of them were I'm council looking at, I'm looking at
1: Brendan's shelf here and yeah, Brendan's been collecting a lot more than Pathfinder There's a <laughs> lot here, and, I, and it's like, I'd really want to throw darts, but it's like I almost this, yeah, I'm almost this bad. It, it, it sort of puts it in, it sort of puts it into perspective. It's like, huh? This guy's got a problem, huh? Maybe <laughs> I've got a problem too.
0: <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? But but uh, so I I originally recollected Council of Thieves because I had all these great remembrances of Council of Thieves, and I wanted to. Someone rerun ran it. you through that, or no? Oh, I were, ran it.
1: Oh, that was the initial. Oh, okay, yeah. I yeah, that's this, the this one was, I ran. I played, this was part of what we were talking about on the on the uh, feed. Yeah, on the messenger feed, and yeah.
0: So, so that's kind of that's kind of the way I got into Pathfinder One is that I played three point five, like I started at 3.0. Uh, I played all the way through that, I played all the way through three point five, and then seriously, it's like it was the dying days of three point five, and they were like you know killing off the books and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, they, then this then then Paizo took over the three point five license, and they started churning out these Pathfinder books. And I was like, wow, what the hell? I mean, I know you some know?
1: some of you folks may not have lived through that transition. You've seen. I mean, there was a little bit of a, I guess. Between fourth edition and f- fifth edition, or whatever, or even like right now, Pathfinder one and Pathfinder two, there's some serious salt of like people, like they don't want anything to do with Pathfinder two. It's like, you know, it's like they're, it's, you know, it's just like rage. It's like, it's like there's a it, this betrayal. It's like, well, they're a game company, they kind of need to publish. It's like, you know,
0: yeah, but I mean, like, like we can talk about some of the cynical, like, kind of like reasons for why the game exists or whatever later on. Like, how did you come to the game though? Like, what? How did you get into Pathfinder? Uh, I think the same thing. It's like I had I had taken a long break from D
1: anD. d You know. Uh Starting which edition? Towards the end of college, probably first edition. I'm I'm an old grognard. Oh so, my god! So, uh, so that so, would be
0: a long ass break.
1: So, so I took like a 13 year break and then came in just at the end of second edition on some play by posts and then third edition. <laughs> third edition came out like six months later and it was like it was a brave new world. The game was reenergized. It was, you know. It was a Halcyon time.
0: It's it's interesting looking back on it, right? Because at this point we've um, changed the way we look at role-playing games to such an extent that uh 3.0, 3.5 seems like rules heavy and kind of oh, quaint, like it's made with this different design philosophy that seems kind of almost like perverse and like there's I think there's a lot of people who play games now who'd never encountered that era. And they kind of, like, laugh. They kind of mock. Yeah, yeah. Like, the OGL. It's
1: it's war-gaming, you know, or, you know, 3.0 was very brought back some of the war-game elements. Skirmish gaming.
0: But you're totally right that it felt super fresh when it hit. Like, uh, Wizards of the Coast had taken control of the property, and they were trying to breathe some new life into it, and they released a third edition player's handbook, monster manual, And DMG for twenty dollars a piece. So you could walk into a game store, and and they were they were nineteen ninety nine each. And you could lay down sixty five bucks or whatever after tax. You got the system. Walk out the door with the whole game. And I remember first getting it home and like looking at it. And they, I mean, the art was excellent. I mean, it was yeah, it was dude, dude, yeah.
1: It was sort of at the time next level, you know, for art and production. It
0: was because we had the nineties were over or in their like final days, I guess. And uh, and the old D and D, the D second edition it hadn't taken on the kind of like rosy glow of nostalgia that we have for it now, where we look back and we're like, oh, this art's so classic, this art's so great. It felt tired, yeah. it felt it felt lame, you know. And then three was felt cool. And it right? felt kind of
1: it kind of felt like it was it was designed. They were designed it with. They were thinking about the whole design as they were designing it. Where the old editions for like they sort of just. Made it up as they went along, oh, yeah. and, and just type things. Which, I, the, again, just typed things. Well, he just, you know, just said just they just, type they just
0: were type like typed <laughs> right? clackety yeah, clackety, it whatever. Felt, it felt very much like a yeah. mansion
1: built the room at a time. I mean, now we <laughs> now we see that now we see that as charming because right. it's like, oh, it's not everything put together and it's not all right. You know, this you know, but. At the time, we had gotten tired of it. It's like, oh, look at this new thing. It's like, wow, look at how this is designed and balanced and all these wonderful, you know, things. That, sure, you know,
0: it's- sure. Just it, it did seem incredibly f- fresh. And then over the course of a period of like ten years or ish. It started seeming incredibly not fresh. Well, I
1: think there's a certain amount of as they add in splat books and everything else and and extra things. Yeah. That, there's some designed obsolescence because it's like a washing machine. Oh, the washing machine's out of balance. Let's load more clothes in it to fix it. Well, it's I like, think no, that doesn't fix it.
0: I think I think that the the word that I heard somebody use who was like on the ground at at FASA in the ni- late 1980s, early 1990s when FASA was really at its height. They call it the supplement treadmill. Like they called it the like at FASA, they called it the supplement treadmill, which is like, like we gotta keep coming out with books, you know. You gotta keep printing books so that people can keep keep printing money, you know. Oh, oh
1: absolutely. It's they're publishing. Uh, these are publishing companies. They need to publish to make. And I don't begrudge them that. It's just. You know, it, you know it's there's just sometimes it feels a little bit much but you know but I, we don't all you know we don't all have to consume when you don't have to buy every book even well, though when you're a collectionist that sort of you know
0: I mean that's a different that's a different point but and and, and it has merits as well as drawbacks but uh, the at, at the end of the 3.0 3.5 era it was an incredibly weighty. Home. Yeah, I, I think
1: mean, I think the term I've heard that described it most for me was system bloat.
0: System bloat. There was not only was there a billion uh, supplements and add-ons and like 19 monster manuals, but there was uh, like three or four different campaign settings that all had been like fully fleshed out. Like so many books on the Forgotten Realms, so many books on Eberron. It's where Eberron was was that created. Created, uh, it got created
1: for three I think it was part of a contest. That it was, was a contest.
0: I entered that contest. Really? They did not. Did, they did not. Well, what s- was
1: your setting? It was really bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad. Looking back on it, looking back on it, was really bad. But I was a I was a young man. I was a very young man and full of full hey, of hope. Hey.
1: It was in the initial seeds of the Brendan we know now. On
0: some level, it was. It was on some level the first game I ever pitched was to Watsy to to get into their their little contest, and I'm glad that Eberron won because I got so much use out of Eberron. I in liked it. 5. Yeah, I
1: mean, and yeah, during that time, because it, it was different, it was a little bit more yeah. steampunky Renaissance feel. Take D D out of the Middle Ages.
0: Well, what's funny is that there was this kind of vibe in Eberron that we needed to make it feel really action oriented. Like it didn't. It wasn't supposed to feel stuffy. And like yeah. Tolkien esque. There was not supposed to be like It was
1: supposed to be more like Indiana Jones. Yeah,
0: it was supposed to be like uh, you know, uh until you know what you don't really I, I hate to say it, but kinda of at the time it, the Star Wars prequels were coming out and I feel like it was meant to feel like the Star Wars prequels where it's just like Kind of maximalist everything. <laughs> there's like, oh, there's gonna be sky cars like flying through a giant fantasy megalopolis, and you're gonna be jumping from one sky car to the other sky car, and there, you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be systems for you to do that, yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> uh, caveat here, people, Eberron never sucked that much. <laughs> it's actually a good setting. <laughs> I,
0: I, Eberron's a brilliant setting. Everon's a brilliant setting, and it kind of bu- bums me out greatly that it has kind of languished. In under under the subsequent editions, yeah. they've never really. I mean, the original the original Eberron Run had like thirty books or something, and they've never published more than like one book. Subsequently. Yeah, that almost
1: feels like another episode. We can go basically how our 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 uh, unresolved issues with Wizards of Coast's choices. Mm, sure,
0: yeah. I I there was a time when I literally had every Eberron book. I had every one that was in print. And uh, I sold them because I'm a moron. I mean, there were some
1: nice books. I mean, one of the things, like one of them, I think, I forget which one it might have been about uh – What's the uh, one country where the large city, Sharn is? Sharn City of Towers. I think I think it was Sharn City of Towers that basically came with a CD. It's like here's some action. Oh my god, and, I forgot about that. And, and it was like <laughs> had the it was music like, it's CD. Like, it's in like, it. So basically, here play this during your game. It's gonna uh, set the
0: mood. It's like yeah, and it was all time, like on a on a synthesizer. Yeah, at
1: the time, Da-da-da-da. at the time that was you know new thing, a new yeah. idea. It was like yeah,
0: yeah. ahead of its time. Yeah. But another thing that was ahead of its time was that they really that's where kind of like Wayne Allen Reynolds got kind of discovered because that was where he I mean I wouldn't say discovered he had done some work for the original 3.0 3.5 run but then they brought him on to Eberron to define its look in the same way that um, that Larry Elmore kind of like uh. dis- like defined the look of Dungeons and Dragons and so he did all those covers he did every single cover for Eberron and then when uh, 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 Wizards decided, okay, we're going in a different direction, we're going to 4.0, he still did a couple covers for the Player's Handbook and stuff, but at that point he started working for Paizo, and that was when he just like blew yeah. up. He defined and the entire Paizo look.
1: I mean, it, it, and again, that's sort of like 3.0, the art definitely adds to the feel. And gives you the tone that, you know, it basically conveys the tone of the game and makes you feel excited to play it.
0: What's so funny is that now, and again, we're kind of kind of hearkening back to like these people who haven't had this experience of living through this transition. But it's funny now meeting people who play games and they refer to Pathfinder as a separate entity from D&D. Like they'll say, like, I think I was talking to Ashley, and I was like, well, what, what's your experience with Fancy? And she said, Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. When Pathfinder came out, a lot of people kind of glibly referred to it as 3.75. Yeah, remember still, that?
1: Yeah, still, still do. You know, well, I mean, stronger. old old bastards, yeah, old like bastards us like
0: us do. It's like because it, it's not
1: that. I mean, 3.5 and Pathfinder. If you know how to play one, you know how to play 90 percent
0: of the other. Exactly, exactly. So what um, Pathfinder did when it kind of made that transition is it. They knew that there was some bad will uh, against 3.5. There at that was. Point.
1: I mean, you think about the salt between. Oh some my of the, god! There were. That's the most salt I've ever seen over a game. It was like, <laughs> wizard. It's like wizard. The coast ran over their dog and then backed over their dog. It was so much. Well,
0: yeah, but people also hated 3.5 in a certain way. Do you Do you remember the vow of poverty monk? Did you ever encounter a vow of poverty monk? I don't know there was a lot of yeah. Art. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I mean, there was all. You guys should see William's face. He's broke. like, he's like, how the fuck would I know, man? Like, what, what, what fucking bullshit was the vow of poverty monk? It was some bullshit, okay. Look it up online. I'm sure there's a whole fucking thread about it somewhere. Anyway, um, so they, Piso undertook yeah. this. Like, yeah, by that
1: point, there was a lot of broke ass nonsense.
0: <laughs> so much, so much of that. And it seemed like this great idea that they were going to like sum everything down again. It was they're going to get back to That's basics. That's a system reset. A system reset. And for a hot minute, it was awesome. It was super awesome. And this is kind of where you know we're like thirty minutes into the show, and this is kind of where the story begins. Is there was this new game that had all the great beats, all the great flavor that we wanted it to have, and suddenly it was awesome again. And I played the fuck out of it for that oh God, first I, I just, for that yeah, first okay, few I years. Think
1: how yeah how much time I spent playing that game, and you know it wasn't quite as it wasn't. Of course, it wasn't as novel and intense as the three slash early three but it was. See, but I, it, was just, it was just tons of hours.
0: Okay, so it wasn't as novel, but to me, it was more intense. The games were better, and I think that the Pizo material was written with a level of vision and 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 intensity. That was just so much better than the Watsy stuff. Those guys knew what they were doing and it was just dialed in.
1: I think it's the adventure paths, and we've talked we talked about this yes. previously like it was the adventure paths that really brought it it's like just that design, that idea, these connections and basically hey, you're not just gonna have random things that you string together, which can be charming, especially in an OSR game, but just their adventure paths are so were so strong and well the stories.
0: I, I think that um the genius of the entire Paizo Empire, and we're kind of seeing now whether that translates st- like, or st- yeah, stands up. You know, like we're like 10, 15 years into this experiment now, uh, is that they saw early on that the supplement was not what made D&D cool. It was the module. And on some level, that concept actually kind of harkened back to how role playing was written in the 1980s, and they almost, in a certain way, were writing on this kind of OSR thing before there oh, yeah, was OSR. The, the, the
1: Slavers modules A1 through A4, the mm-hmm. old first edition. I mean, there was some yeah, some great stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, you're gonna have some some connected things. So it it basically breathes life and realism into the world, and it, you know, for the interact, you can meet these NPC again. It was.
0: Yeah and, and then the thing is is you can go out you can play through a module an adventure path and you can have an experience in a city or in a region or with a series of NPCs and then you can encounter someone else years later in a different city in a different game store and and be like and they're like oh yeah no oh, I yeah. played oh, I played Rise of the Rune Lords but wasn't that wasn't that guy a fucking asshole? You know, yeah, or wasn't was, that city yeah. amazing? You know,
1: yeah, it, yeah. Basically, the shared the shared experience. Yeah, it's very powerful.
0: It is. It is. And um, I think that the Paizo guys kind of blundered onto it. It's almost a mistake because the Paizo had been given that in the three point five era, they had been given that license to write the Dungeons and Dragon magazine. And in order to kind of fill up the pages, they had come up with the, they they came up many, with the
1: many adventures that were. You know, or serial.
0: Well, they started calling them adventure paths right in the pages of uh dragon. Dungeon and Dragon, and so what you would happen is is you'd get if you get you basically had to subscribe to both, and then over the course of a year you would get an entire first through twentieth level. Adventure. Oh, nice!
1: Yeah, I'd, so I'd gotten off a of dragon at that point. Oh, so.
0: dude, the late three point five Dungeon and Dragon are so good. They are. I had subs for years. I just piled them up. And they had uh, the first one was some kind of like, you know, Demon Bound. It was like called something like Demon Bound or whatever. But then the second one was called uh, uh, Mother of Worms, I think. Or no, Age of Worms. And it was about this like weird worm monster god thing that was like getting ready to rise and like change the (laughs) planet or whatever. And then you had to go from first through 20th to stop it. And uh, in Dungeon, you would get. A like the scenario encounters with all the maps and stuff, and then in Dragon that month you would get all the story.
1: Yeah, background and whatever, like Mm -hmm. this NPC or this monster's ecology or whatever.
0: Exactly. So if you collected them both over the and you sort of talking like twenty four issues, you would get this awesome. Firstly twenty. I mean, it, sounds, it sounds it sounds
1: freaking amazing. And this may, uh, again, me showing my age, but just having that in print to hold in your hands and look at, it's a different feeling than basically looking at whatever D&D Beyond or whatever is going on yeah. now. That It's just like, hey, this is Hannah. And he's like, you put it together. Hey, you've got a story of like.
0: Well, it was so fun for, to go to the mailbox. And have the magazine sitting there waiting for you. And I mean, literally, I'd like put the other mail under my arm. And I'd be walking back to my apartment and flipping through it to see what this month's adventure looked like. And then, of course, the very back page always said, next month. Oh, yeah, the and teaser. It would, yeah. And it would tell you what was going to be in the adventure path that next month. And you'd just be like, oh, it's like, it's all gnolls. You're going to fight a whole a gnoll whole crime syndicate. Sounds amazing, right? You couldn't wait. because You got your imagination just churning. So... They started releasing those Adventure Paths as books, as modules, uh, before they even took over the license to write the game. And then they've kind of staked their brand around these modules. Uh, I don't have much experience with them past Council of Thieves. Do you still Uh, still run them? Do you still haven't.
1: I haven't really. Most of my Pathfinder playing experience, probably four-fifths is... Organized play through the Pathfinder Society, which again is instead of novels, what you're getting is short stories that might include the same characters and anthology style, which is nice because then you don't have to have the same people. It's you can or it's organized so that basically you can show up with new players every week, and it's like okay, this set of characters is going like missions. It's like here's some Pathfinder agents go do this mission 4 hour mission so it's basically is accessible but the, but you don't get that same nice story content you get from a campaign yeah it's so, i mean if you, yeah. i don't know if any of you for any of you have, of you have the, read the the thieves world uh, books by robert aspirin from the late 80s early 90s or it's all set in the same city but you have different characters and different authors it's kind of like that experience uh, except, you know, but it's Galarian, so you're going to, you know, they sprinkle you around, take you to different places. There's a lot of focus in Varisia, which for me is the best part of the setting.
0: Uh. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So what? since we're talking about the best, what to me, to, to, to you rather, what are the highlights of Pathfinder First Edition? All right, just thought we'd take a little break here. This is kind of a longer episode, so William and I kind of like to go on for a little bit about Pathfinder. I thought I'd just give you guys a second. To take a break, maybe pause, maybe, you know, you do this as a two-parter in your commute. Anyway, um, uh, the homie Matt Kelly hit me up from Exalted Funeral, and he's encouraging everyone to go out and back uh, a Kickstarter. It's for um, it's an OSR zine called Bunker, and it's got this sick art super sick art the the person who's doing the the osr zine is called haunted meat haha <laughs> yeah well i mean i can't say no to anything from somebody called haunted meat you can also find haunted meat on instagram so um you should totally go to uh kickstarter and check that out i'm certain that you'll uh when you see the zine and the osr zine you'll get that those vibes that will make you want to just you know freak out anyway so yeah do check that out uh we are sponsored by exalted funeral and uh matt kelly so uh thanks for your time and now back to the show what's the well we we, we
1: sort of mentioned the adventure paths just because the the concept and stuff and i've played through parts of uh what was it? Second Darkness or whatever? The one that takes second you in darkness. the darkness? That was the second one that came I, out. You know, think, oh, wait, no. I, I think we got it through two books and TPK'd. It was, it was one of the ones that, yeah, I think that either was right before or right after the the, the game release. So it's one of the ones that, you know.
0: I think it was right before. I think that it went uh, Rise of the Rune Lords curse of the crimson throne and then second darkness
1: well, i think there was legacy of fire the one that was set down in the Kadiran oh. desert which starts off with basically the characters you know spoiler alert anybody there that's anybody gonna run this or play it? this legacy of fire you know <laughs> it's, it's only been out what uh 15 12 years. years but anyway okay, 12 so but basically the characters you can make all your stuff but you basically oh yeah never mind all that you've been captured by noel slavers how are you going to get escape <laughs> you know which I think it's great because like okay you you're gonna bond together as a party quickly or or you aren't all gonna make it. But I've encountered players where they don't you know they put when they put time into gearing their characters out they get real upset when you take stuff away.
0: Oh for sure they get super. So it's probably it might
1: so it's either you need to cherry pick the type of players you would play in that game or. Or hey, I'm gonna find out if they can't handle this, they're gonna self-select out.
0: <laughs> well, I mean that's that's the question when you you know I mean I've been discussing this with Adam a lot lately, like the whole the 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 front end the front end conversation. You know, if if somebody's gonna get like super worked up about like I lost my gear, and that happens a lot when you're playing D and D or Pathfinder. Um, then obviously that's not gonna be a good that's not gonna be a good fit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I that's
1: the thing. But I mean, I like you know those I mean, types you know, of I, things. I, I
0: think I read the first one of those because I, I actually was you reminded me you like summoned up like like latent memories. I actually purchased that whole story path. I was gonna run it, um, and then I read, read the first module. I didn't care for it much. I thought really? After Council of Thieves, it felt flat to me. The first module felt flat.
1: Hmm. I guess I guess I've never. I think I sort of. I think I never. I think I read the player's guide for Council of Thieves. Like the idea, because you're in this decaying city uh, of West Crown, where it's, it's you know, it's you know, talk about late stage capitalism. It's sort of like the the Detroit of Galarian. <laughs> sure, know, decaying. Except, yeah, you know, I think it had some grandeur and, and art. It's more,
0: it's more like Baltimore. It's like the Baltimore of yeah. Galarian.
1: So it's got it's got some certain decrepit charm. It's. But uh, anyway, it, like that. But I think I think maybe just the desert motif, and just that you are starting off. It's like okay, and then La Lamash too, which is, I guess, how would you describe yeah. Lamash too?
0: No, that's just the big the big hyena demon god thing.
1: Yeah, like she's the goddess of monsters, and like she's portrayed as as like the mother of monsters, and she's portrayed as like she like a jackal headed yeah uh, woman with that's pregnant, and it's just you know very visceral and thought provoking, or you know, or emotion evoking. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, that's probably what caught me onto that, you know, again, did you run that or did you play No, it? never played it? You just it. read it. Just, just read the player's guide thinking that I was going to get into a play play post game for it. And it just never, it fell apart.
0: Oh man. So, so, I mean, your, your IRL experiences with Pathfinder have been mostly the Adventurers League thing. Or yeah. Right? Yeah. Pathfinder it's yeah. Pathfinder society. Pathfinder society. So, have you ever really played like uh, an? The Rise of the
1: Renlord. made through four books of that. uh, Really enjoyed IRL. Yes. Wow. Yeah, face to face. Wow.
0: So how'd that go? It was a blast. I mean, it
1: was a lot of it was a lot of fun and played with people that you know. I I guess there's here's a uh, huh sort of a secret of the trade of one of the few I possess is you know Adventures League for D and D or Pathfinder Society. Go there, play with people cherry-pick them to, for your home game. <laughs> it's like, huh, so you try it before you buy it. It's like, hey, they'd be cool to hang out with. Or, like, yeah. no, no, I'm good, dude. So it's like, yeah. so you basically, and I think that's this Rise of the lords. you know, uh, my friend Arrow's running, and basically he cherry-picked all these people he'd met through society, one other person that he'd played with before and met different. And it's like, so we had a great group, great role-playing group that, you know, and it's like, my friend John, who I haven't seen for, it's like he was playing a, a dwarven bard, and I came in late to the game. It's like, hey, you guys, you know, they'd already been played through the first books. Hey, my, and I basically was playing a thief, and you know, you wouldn't know this, but I usually play very talkative characters. So except I was playing this uh, half elven rogue, and she was basically hardly said anything because she's sort of, you know, just. She was part of what is uh, Magnamar and she was sort of the underground under the Magnamar's a city in uh, Verissi that basically has it's called the City of Monuments. So there's like this big archway, and there's basically sort of like oh right right there's like an yeah. undercity, but yeah. the, the, the shadow where the sun never hits. And so basically there's a whole underclass or of people. So she was sort of from that. Slum. But anyway, so I basically so he's trying to play off my character, and I'm suddenly playing a character that's not giving him a lot. So he was just you know upset (laughs) because he's like trying to amp up the role play at at the table.
0: What level did you come in at? I think I must have
1: been like third or something, you know, and that was...
0: Like, what level were you when it fell apart? Because oh cause it's a six-book arc, and you only got through four, right? Yeah, I think or it was. Or a... was it that you only got through four, or that you guys only made it to the fourth well, book? Well, I
1: made it to the fourth book. I think it was, like, level
0: eight or what, nine. What happened? I, I want to say nine. Why did I, it fall I, apart? You know,
1: real-life schedules. You know, playing role-playing games as an adult is, you know... It's...
0: But it wasn't, like, a titanic clusterfuck. Oh, of, no, it didn't turn it into complex personalities yeah, yeah, or anything. Yes. Which reminds me, yes... Uh, yeah
1: we all kind of want to hear or the I want the <laughs> listeners to hear about Brandon's first time running council of thieves. <laughs> it, Cause we got to learn a lot more about Brendan on the, uh, on the, on, uh, yeah, on, on the, yeah. uh, the, uh, podcasters feed.
0: Well, I, I was married once. I was married once a long time ago. And, um, and, uh, my wife at the time, uh, played in my, in my council of thieves game. And, um, I <laughs> despite the fact that I love Pathfinder first edition um and and I'll talk it up and I'll talk up Council of Thieves and I'll say oh I ran this great Council of Thieves game and then we'll start getting into it and then I'll say yeah I think that game destroyed my marriage and, <laughs> and people give me this look like once that happened like, we had questions <laughs> like, like, like how could a great game destroy your marriage and it's like um what happened was, <laughs> is that very early in this, in if, if you play Pathfinder at all, you you know that um, uh, you have to parse out the treasure in a very particular way because the care the, the way the system is designed is is assuming that you're getting um, what do they call it level dependent rewards, right? Oh yeah, so and it's like, if you-
1: some you know to a varying different degree, but. Pretty much all classes are, are gear dependent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like uh, if, if, if you are a level 10 character and you are facing monsters that are worthy of a level 10 challenge, the uh, GM's guide assumes that you have the treasure and equipment of a level 10 character as defined by the GM's guide, right? So parsing out the treasure was always this very kind of I like organic gaming. I don't really like playing games like they're video games. So I liked to throw out stuff that was, like, uh, ahead of the curve and that um, they could kind of grow into. Because I, I didn't like the idea of people getting magic swords and chucking them away, like, every five minutes. So um, I put... I put when they, they they fought dude it's like it's like a it's like a throwaway encounter it's like i think it's a random encounter mm-hmm. that's in it's in it's in council of thieves one where they encounter some thieves because like you were saying the city of west crown has fallen on hard times and there is a little section in the beginning that says uh here's some little mini encounters you can do to illustrate this to the players and give them the one that you want to kind of tell the story you want to tell or roll on this chart or whatever, right? And so I was like, oh, I'll have them be attacked by some bandits or some shit, right? So they get attacked by these bandits and they kill the bandits and then I had the the bandits drop this particular treasure. And in the treasure was a, um, it wasn't even a fucking bag of holding because it's like a really big piece of treasure at early levels. It was a haversack. It yeah. was a, it was a handy haversack. Yeah, right? handy
1: haversack, wonderful item.
0: And I knew that my uh, wife at the time wanted the haversack, so I had put it in there for her. But there was this dude at our table who I'm still friends with. His name's the mysterious Jeff, <laughs> and he and he sees the haversack. He's like mine. Ironic. And then, and he's <laughs> he's like that's my haversack, and um, and uh. uh hmm, so Jeff and then, <laughs> still my friend, yeah.
1: wife now my
0: ex-wife. Now now wife ex-wife. Haven't spoken to her in years. And, um, hey, if you're listening, hi. It's been, uh, I hope you're doing well. Anyway, um, hope you're, I hope you're getting some Pathfinder in <laughs> and, and you're getting the treasure. I hope want. you
1: finally got that haversack. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, and then he, and then he's the kind of guy who's very forceful about his decisions. He's like, and he'll, and he'll sit there. He's in, IRL, the mysterious Jeff, is a uh, is a solicitor. And so, oh. so he'll argue all day and all night as to why he should get the haversack, which he did. And the group, on some level, didn't care, except for my wife, well, who they, really yeah. wanted that fucking haversack. The other primers right?
1: of the group probably just wanted this discussion to be, to be over.
0: over. So they could move on with the fucking campaign. Anyway, so uh, he got the haversack, and then for literally, like, multiple years... After this incident, <laughs> she just kept getting more and more bitter and like angry about the haversack, and she kept referring to it as my haversack, and is and how she wanted it and how it should have been hers, and I'd be like, It's a figment of your imagination, it's a construct, it doesn't really exist. I even just said to her, Look, the next time you find something, I'll have it drop a haversack, or better still. Uh, bag of holding. You're of the appropriate level now. Yeah. She was. And this is what she said to me. She turned to me in all earnestness. And she said, no, I don't want that one. I want the one that's mine. And yes. I was just like, I don't know how you confront that logic. I don't know how you confront that logic. <laughs> well, reasoning. I'm,
1: I'm going to step out on a limb here and say, maybe it wasn't about the haversack.
0: Well, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Breakthrough. <laughs> there. Look. I think that the well, the, it, the the, the psychodrama that was playing out around the Pathfinder table regarding the haversack plus other things, because that game ended up having like a lot of kind of strange personalities in it and a lot of kind of interesting characters, uh, but that it did expose, shall I say, other uh, fault lines in the relationship yeah. that that within the next two years after that game had had ceased to exist, the marriage also ceased to exist. Yeah. So, so
1: it didn't destroy your marriage. It more uh, illuminated it or revealed it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I wasn't a peach either. I'm not going to tell you guys. I'm not going to try and s- sell the Full mill RPG listeners some story of, like, Brendan the Amazing Guy who had this crazy woman. That's not, uh, that's not the story I'm trying to tell. Uh, it, it was just a very, like... I, I don't know. It was it was a vexing few years trying to talk through um, the uh, the haversack. the haversack incident. Um, uh, there was also there was a, there were a number of other problems. There was a, my, our, our good friend uh, young Dustin who's been on the show like a long time ago. He was playing a really awesome bard character that uh, was like an amazing. It was an amazing character, and he occupied it so well that it was. Like I would get emotional watching him play the character. It was it was, it was awesome. awesome. And, and then uh but the problem is is that he uh he couldn't um like he kept getting beaten he kept getting beaten up in combat and he kept having re- really bad roles. and he got frustrated. He uh he retired the character and then came brought in a new character that was this like gunslinger which was this new class in the oh, game. Oh boy,
1: the gunslinger. The
0: gunslinger. And that and that was very hard on the game because. Go yeah, ahead. You, go you ahead. lost.
1: You lost the personality, and you gained a, a broken ass piece yeah, of nonsense. Exactly. That, I mean, I This is one of the things that was like they play tested this thing. Oh yeah, and so they knew, and then they slightly tweaked it. it. was like, dude, you played this, this, and it's like, and basically they were nothing special until they hit about fifth or sixth level, and then boom, it's like this is not like a little musket, you know, musket wheel and thing. It's like right. you're five or six shots around when you throw in all these feats by tenth level. It's just a, you know, so basically it's like having a, you know, someone with a, a,
0: a you know, a, an a automatic
1: weapon yeah. in, in your goddamn D and D game.
0: Basically, basically the 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 big drawback of playing the um, the gunslinger was supposed to be the the rounds were incredibly
1: expensive, expensive. Yeah.
0: However, by the time you are leveling at a certain point on that yeah, yeah. chart, yeah. you're getting so much gold and yeah. treasure for every encounter yeah. that the 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 bullets are meaningless. You, yeah, you,
1: you're your eight gold go piece round. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah g- give me a hundred.
0: Exactly. And once you start being like, uh, oh, okay, this is a master crafted weapon and then it's enchanted and I'm putting enchantments on it then I'm then Oh yeah and
1: it's touch armor class too. this was the touch, the touch armor, armor class, I, class ignored I armor forgot class all about
0: so, that oh my god so he was basically just, just with his new character he was just walking through dungeons just executing things <laughs> and uh and but then, but then so, so sort of like
1: John Wick, but without style. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you could you could read a certain kind of flair into it, and it's not like he was bad at the role playing. So he definitely made it seem very like alive. But the new character wasn't interesting. He was just a series of stats. And he had no heart. Uh, and It really turned out that that character, that Bard character, had been like the heart of the party. Yeah, been the the glue. He was the glue because we had this, like, fucking tiefling who, like, everybody hated. And then we had uh, this other guy who, like, I had, uh, un- I had made this <laughs> unbelievable mistake, William. This unbelievable GMing mistake where I had this friend who I didn't realize was kind of, like, weirdly kind of, like, a narcissistic role player. And, like, had to – he's the kind of guy who – It's all about me. He always has to be, like, doing his little side quest and shit. And so because of for other reasons outside of this blindingly obvious fact that I should have just seen on the face, I decided, oh, I'm gonna have a subplot where he becomes a god. I'm gonna have a subplot where he <laughs> where where if he if he makes it to level twenty, oh. then he's gonna ascend into god. Okay. Yeah, let's see. And all the other player characters hated this plot so much because they were so angry at this guy for always having his little like for for always essentially as they saw it kind of like undermining group cohesion
1: well, he was a diva.
0: He was a diva, but then he was becoming a diva and a <laughs> diva, <laughs> you know, so it's wow. like like horrifying game master error on my part where I was just like I mean what 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 greater combustible uh fuel could I have been throwing on that fire you know what I'm saying
1: yeah um but, but you made it to level 20 that's amazing I think the highest well I've the ever thing ever can... is
0: we never finished it. The game the the game blew well, you, up.
1: Well you had to be like near the end if they were level twenty. They
0: were no they didn't make it to twenty. They didn't make it to twenty. Oh, I see. so he this was, was the plan. He was in the process of becoming a god. He was in the process of achieving Godhead. Like he was, I had all these plans for how it was gonna have to be and he was like they're gonna deal with devils and blah blah blah, all this other shit. But like uh uh they they came out of the um dungeon at the end of book four they literally like the like book 4 is just a it's just a dungeon you it's it's, oh, it's, goodness. it's 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 uh sometimes they do that in the Paizo books the adventure paths where there will be like a a book that's just all about um like social stuff and going yeah, around and talking yeah, and then and then some books will just be literally uh you start at the beginning of a dungeon the whole book is a dungeon crawl and at the end you come out and that was that book the book 4 is just a huge dungeon crawl and they literally walked out of the dungeon and it was like one of those we're never talking to each other again, <laughs> and they all went in different it was, directions.
1: It was like a road trip gone wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We've all had those.
0: And uh, and I was just like, and I was just like, well, we'll kind of patch this up. Let's take a break for a couple months, and then I moved to L. A. You know, never got
1: to play <laughs> Sorry, again. well. Yeah.
0: Well, was, I feel like I've been talking for like ever, man. Tell, no, tell me good. about I mean, t- what, That sounds like a fantastic campaign, dude. And
1: but it definitely segues into. The type of people that play Pathfinder.
0: Oh, boy.
1: The type of people that Pathfinder attracts. It, You know, and Brandon, uh, we we're talking about this. It doesn't have to be a power fantasy game. However, it does lend itself to that in that it will attract those types of players. I mean, you can, and again, you can make it a role-playing game. You can make it a diplomacy game. So, it doesn't have to. But because it's so crunchy, it definitely, there's, you know, I've after looking at pathfinder second edition i sort of turned to my friend tom and i said so it's pretty much still build to bear the role-playing game <laughs> it's like so you just pre- you pre-build these things up to level 10 or beyond and i'm gonna get this and i'm gonna unlock this and but
0: why would you want to do that well, it's, like why would you want to enjoy it
1: I, I, I like the organic thing where it's like okay you stumble yeah. across this and it's like you know i mean yeah, i mean yeah. t- I, I mean In some part of me, I do enjoy it because in my real life as a person, I am the most suboptimal build you can have.
0: Okay, I don't (laughs) know about all that.
1: But but well, just as far as the choices, it's like well, if I could have focused on that, it's like well, I'll focus on this. It's like yeah, there's not a lot of synergy. But but it's like so that, so I in a certain the way. Wrong class at fourth. It's like damn it. It's like I'm I'm, I'm a terrible ineffectual multi class. But it's like uh, but yeah. You know, so there's a certain appeal. But it's just after a while after you've did that a few times. It, to me, it's like okay. It's, it's like how about an organic thing where this character has a story and it's like yeah. there's choices and, and it's like the background plays into it. And it's like, so that you're telling a story with a group of people. Uh, and you can do that with Pathfinder. It's just some people want to go with that, that thing of like, I'm going to build a powerful character and live out a power fantasy. And they never seem to tire of it. And I mean, I don't understand, but it's, it, it's, it exists is all I, I can say. I think
0: that's one of the reasons why fifth edition came along and kind of like ate Pathfinders lunch is because, uh, it's so much easier in fifth edition to do just that. You know, well, you don't well, have to sit there and I, do all the a, math. Well, like,
1: oh. yeah, yeah, it's a little bit flatter, uh, a little bit flatter system and a little bit easy. Yeah, it's the, the, yeah. the, 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 what do you call that? Ease of entry is mm-hmm. definitely there. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it still has some of the gamey pieces where you're interacting these powers where it feels like magic, the gathering, the role playing game where I'm going to turn my card and I'm going to interact this power now. And I'm not a big fan of that, but I, I am a big fan of the ease of entry of the game, but it's yeah. again, but again, that again, it's so I guess we're sort of getting to the point where, yeah, it's, it's as at least as much about the players you have at the table, if not more than the system you're running.
0: I mean, that's what it always comes down to. I mean, whenever we're talking about like role playing problems, it always comes down to, well, did you have the conversation on the front end? And did you get the right people? You know, I mean, I feel like you can say that for everything, but let's talk about the specifics of Pathfinder though. I mean, like I, I agree a hundred percent. I, I for a long time, I would roll my eyes so hard at Pathfinder because every time I went to a game store and there were people there talking about it, no one was ever talking about adventures. You, you, you
1: talk about their character and their powers they, and their abilities. They talk about their build.
0: Their build. They talk about their build. You could. You, it's like you, you, you walk by the Pathfinder section and there's hundreds at this point of modules, hundreds. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about adventures. literally. Everybody wants to talk about. Well, second level, I did this, third level, I did this, and now, ho, 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 and you're just like, yeah, you're so clever. You're such a clever person. <laughs> you, know, you won. What do you want me to say? Yes,
1: pro tips, kids. We don't care. <laughs> in fact, shout out to my friend Shay in Seattle. He had this old Gen Con t-shirt that I, when I first met him like 18 years ago, it was a black, black t-shirt. white. was like, no, I don't want to hear about your character yeah <laughs> right best t-shirt ever you know it's like that's, oh my it's god like, no just tell me what your character did the adventures tell me about that i don't want to care what feat you took at fifth level or what synergy you got with this and that it's like please no just can you just hit me with a blunt object and render me unconscious instead
0: it, it's funny to me because like um i i feel like i try to engage people about what's going on in their game a lot and I feel like it's hard at this point to get people to just talk to me about, like, what is going on in their game. They always want, they always go, oh, you know, it's like an okay game. It's like, uh, we got, it's like a regular party, and then we're, like, find a wizard or something, and then they just kind of blow you off, right? And it's like, I just want to get the word out, like, PSA style. Like, talking about your adventure and, like, without being too specific, just letting me kind of fill in some of the details in my mind, you know? is much more engaging and interesting than talking about your character.
1: I want to know what happened to your character. What happened to your character, even more so than what your character did. What happened?
0: yeah and like how you guys did it and how you i mean i love i love that brain trust that like sharing you know
1: And also what was cool about the setting what was basically basically it hit you with the setting? it's like oh this scene happened and there was this forest or there was this and it was like yeah. it was so creepy
0: yeah i had a friend uh who i who really his name his name is adam norwood and I, I sometimes i hope he's listening i haven't talked to him in a long time um He's really the guy who like, taught me how to GM like 20 years ago or something. I was just like, I was like a re- regular dude GM, and he kind of was like he was kind of the guy who was like, "Do you ever do anything in the, from the back of the Vampire books?" And I was like, "No, no one does that. And He goes, "Oh, I do. You should try it." And when I started playing like that, it completely changed how I role play. Um, and I mean, seriously, we're talking in the '90s. he told me this story of a Ravenloft game that he ran that took place entirely in a swamp. I can't get those images out of my head. Oh yeah, like the, I, 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 the
1: good storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Just, I,
0: I wish I could have played in that game. Well, I'd, I'd love to play in that game. You know? Yeah. yeah, it's nice when you hear something
1: like that. Yeah, that's something that's so interesting. It's like, oh, I'm envious. I wish I would have had yeah. that experience too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so so speaking of setting, though, like a lot of people kind of bag on uh, Galarian for being sort of uh, generic. Like, what do you think, man? Is it know. is it one of the best parts of? Uh, uh, of uh of uh, Pathfinder? uh Is it one of the the worst. There's certain parts?
1: portions of it. like I mentioned, Varisia. That's basically a sort of a semi frontier with a it, there was like a settlement areas where the Empire Chelyax had pulled back. So it's it has some interesting pieces to it, uh, and it's a, a, a little bit of a melting pot. But it also definitely has its strong you know Chelaxian or, uh, ne, uh, I guess I don't know what, what's the uh, the Shawanti? people yeah. that are a little yeah. bit more like the native people there. So it's definitely has some flavor. Uh, for me, it's just, I don't like it because it tries to be everything to everyone. It's like you have the, the super science barbarian area and you've got, it's like there's, it's like they try to have every little thing in the world, you know, you know, an Egyptian area and this. And it's like, to me, it's like, it doesn't have to be, it's like, and that's one of the things I liked about, actually liked and it, it led, led to a lot of, uh, Publication blow in the second edition Dungeons and Dragons was, you know, they supported all these different settings. To me, yeah. I love that because I could pick. It's like, hey, my favorite ones are Greyhawk, you know, Ravenloft, uh, you know, probably Dark Sun because it's very different. You know, it's like you could you could flavor it, and it's like you could get you didn't have to have a generic fantasy. I guess galarian's a little bit better. I mean, to my my boogaboo and my you know you know nerd rage is Forgotten Realms as I just lo- yeah.
0: loathe it with the, the well, passion of a thousand suns. Well, tell me why, because I almost feel like Galarian and Forgotten Realms are very similar in a certain well, way.
1: Well, sort of. I mean, Galarian feels like a little bit more flavorful. I mean, the only, time, the only place I've ever played in a game role-playing game or a computer game where i liked was basically Baldur's gate area they had a little bit of but whereas Golarion, it's got you know you got different parts of Risia. there's a little bit you know and the uh what is it the city at the center of the world absalom it's you know it's got a little bit i mean it's like a it's for me it's like a better version of forgotten realms but it's not you know it's not it's still not like uh the dragon lance world where you have kren where you have different moons and depending on where the moon phase is if you're a Lawful or a good-aligned wizard or a neutral wizard, you know, or or an evil wizard, you know, that will empower or disempower. And there's little, you know, things, there flavor things that are unique to that world.
0: Yeah, but I feel like Crin was supposed to have a very particular kind of feel to it. It was supposed to have this kind of like like romantic, kind of nostalgic, kind of wistful well, yeah, from, because feel it was to spun it. Spun out of the books. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I mean, there's actually a vintage RPG about that you should listen to about Dragonlance. You should huh. listen to the, the 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 history of it. It's kind of interesting, but you should, you should listen to that I episode. Think I think yeah. But, um, like, Crin has a very particular flavor, and then Forgotten Realms, what's great about Forgotten Realms is you can just totally see, if you, if you open up, like, the 3.5 Forgotten Realms core book, and you look at the map, the world map of Faerun, um, you can totally see the uh, 1980s, like, uh, uh, supplement bloat, because, like, like... Farin literally looks like a patchwork quilt. Where like you can see them like working to the right. <laughs> They're like, "Well, we need to add a new country. It's gonna go here." <laughs> and then there's another country we're gonna add on. It's gonna go here. And you're just like, you can tell this thing was not assembled whole cloth. Uh, Galarian, I think was. I think Galarian. Yeah, took definitely, the time to, definitely. To- and
1: I think they. I think some of the people had were sort of semi-influenced by. Fur room, but also uh, but also Greyhawk. I feel like a little bit of that. Yeah. And it's
0: it's doubtless that they were attempting to write a kind of—I don't want to say bland because I don't find it bland—but they were trying to f- write a universal setting, one that would have a yeah, little where, bit of everything where, where, where without you did, putting you, you off where, too where, much. Where you
1: didn't have to, yeah, where they didn't have to have multiple campaign worlds to support. And I, maybe from a business standpoint, that may be the wisest choice. For me, it left me a little wanting. It's like, or or it's like, hey, make something in Arcadia, which is another continent that we've—I've never touched on. And I've never seen a supplement where it's like, okay, we'll put this over here. If you want to have a Pathfinder world, but it's like, hey, you're off in the wild frontier where you've got none of the support. Okay, put this over here. But it, they never really explored that. It's and very they, much they ca- Inner Sea focused.
0: They like really punted on the Dragon Empire too. There was like there was oh like, yeah
1: Menkai or whatever. It was, there, I mean they touched on it a little bit in Pathfinder. Say so there was like a season where, but it's mm-hmm. but it was just a little. It would just live a little taste. And some of the, the the four hour modules slash scenarios were very good. But it was it was just sort of like a little taste. It's like oh here you can have a little bit of this flavor, but now that's it. That's all you get.
0: There was a series of adventure paths that w- that dealt with going there, and then it kind of. Uh, uh, looped into some of the uh, expanded was that, cl- base classes. Was that, that just had. the
1: six books, or it's just six books? Yeah. yeah, and
0: then there was a Dragon Empire Gazetteer. But what's interesting is when you look at their like expanded, uh, uh, especially their expanded combat book. Like, and and this is really where Pathfinder kind of starts falling apart. I think that if you if you basically get just like the core book, the Advanced Player's Guide, uh, the first. Two bestiaries, and then an adventure path. You're gonna. You're be, good.
1: You're good. You're, you're you, you can, could, you you can you, run
0: something great. Yeah. You got five years of gaming ahead of you. You don't buy, need to buy another and thing. A, and
1: and you're not. You don't have to worry about. I mean, there can you, people can always find broken combinations in, in these yeah. crunch, in these crunchy games. But sure. But it's but it's less likely than, than if you add if you start adding it past that the core book and the advanced players guide, it really gets out of balance really
0: quickly. I, I would I would add to that the Inner Sea World Guide. And then one of the faiths and pantheons books. Yeah. If you can find the little uh, um, perfect bound, it's called Gods and Magic. If you, it's kind of pricey now, but if you can find it and yeah. you get it for like get get one, I would get that. That's yeah, fine. That's the you, don't, paperback. You, you don't exactly. That. You don't both. need the you don't need the big one. You you can get the you can get the big fat one. Yeah, both now. of them are
1: nice, but yeah, mm-hmm. the, I agree. That was one of the better ones, and the Inner yeah. Seal Award Guide is one of the best gaming books, I think, ever, Dude, the, campaign in, books. The Inner
0: Sea World Guide is literally one of the best campaign settings in the entire history of campaign settings. I love it so much. and But I sort of agree with you that I think that they missed the boat by not doing another campaign setting with, yeah, with First yeah, Edition. Just they
1: could put it on the same planet.
0: And, well, you know, what, what if they didn't? What if they did something yeah. like, like, remember Ravenloft? Oh yeah, it's, or, and they were like, "Look, it's, it's a right. whole different take oh, yeah. and, it, and it dark supports Sun. Yeah, it supports you
1: know? the high fantasy. Yeah, it would be. Yeah,
0: they had all these books with all this shit in it, and then there's only one place to play. Why did they do that? That bo- it boggles me. Even when they spun off the whole, uh, "Oh, we're gonna do uh, space spacefinder now," they're like, "Oh yeah, it's Galarian in the future." It's like it's, yeah, a, it's space Galarian. <laughs> Yeah. it's like what feels
1: like a missed opportunity
0: yeah i think that they i think that they really uh they kind of missed it there they should have. I, w- I would love to have seen some kind of like oh well how do the pathfinder guys approach but i'm not even gonna say something like oh how would they approach planescape because it'd be planescape but pathfinder what well, if they just did something <laughs> totally fucking different
1: well, yeah, like something oh, something, yeah, so, something we haven't thought of yet yeah you know something you know it's like yeah you can pull real world analogs it's how about the victorian or so- something it's like you know yeah. what is you can you know, there's a lot of ground there it's like but yeah they seem very in love with their game world and i mean i don't hate it but i don't love it there's parts of it i love but there's just you know i don't yeah it, it doesn't really i think because they tried to again put in, something in for everybody and and all of these areas it kind of felt like it's just you know it's like you know, sometimes, you know, I don't want to go to where I can order Chinese, Mexican, American, everything. Sometimes I want to go to where it's like, this is what they make, and they make it very well. They
0: just make Mexican food here, man. It's just really good Mexican
1: food. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's, you know, I kind of want that, because ex- that feels like it's an in-depth experience. Yes. I mean, and you can have, as Brendan says, that you can have that with an adventure path, because a lot of them do focus on certain geographies. Oh, sure. And that's, I would agree, that's the best way to play this game, t- to get something where you're going to get a immersion
0: yeah, yeah. And the way I've found that, particularly with Pathfinder, is that uh, I stick... To, and this is kind of loops back around to why I'm doing uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne, is I like games that stick to one place. Um, because I was looking at Carrion Crown, because this is Carrion in it, and it's kind of dark and spooky. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. It's got all this spooky shit. The covers are black. Ooh. Oostalov, U- yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 the Ravenloft setting. And I was like, oh, how cool. But then, like... um each book, you travel to a different town. And I'm like, lame. I don't want to travel to a different town for each book. Like, I want people to be stuck in a spot and kind of get a sense of it and get immersed in all of that. Like, uh, my friend Dustin, he started running Kingmaker, and Kingmaker is considered to be, like, one of the best ones. So I'm probably be harshing it too, too hard, but... What bummed me about that one is you had to move around all the time. It's well, like were, bit- and then
1: you establish your own, it's sort of wilderness, and you're going to carve out a region. I mean, I've heard good things about it's it. A Never hex played crawl. it. Yeah. Never played it. Heard good things about it. Uh, you know, I. I think Brennan and I's taste run to the same here where it's like, I like where you can have recurring NPCs and yeah. breathe life into the setting. So that it's like, hey, this is your, this is your area. This is your neighborhood. This is your stomping grounds. Dude, exactly. And, and then someone's going to come in and cause a problem and your are stomping grounds. What are you
0: going to do about what it? What are you going to do about it? Come on, man. You're, this is, this world is an ecology and you live in this world and you interact in it. Like on the last episode, like Adam was roasting me and he's all like, he's like, why do the monsters always get more powerful? And, it's, and he's and I'm like, well, I mean, you don't have to play like that. And he's like, well, that's how the books are written. And it's like, I think I think Adam was kind of almost like missing something where it's like I don't think the books are meant to be completely prescriptive. I don't think that just because it's in the book that you only do the things that are in the book. You're
1: talking about the adventure path, the adventure or as path. opposed, or any a, adventure. I mean, you can sort of have an offshoot of uh, side adventure depending on how you know, what you want to I mean, do.
0: The the adventure path doesn't say in it. Well, now the characters need to eat. Now the characters need to sleep. Now the characters need to take a dump. It's well, like was his point be, as
1: far as it was gonna be a railroad, it's like you need to stay on this path.
0: I mean, I think that his point was that, that uh fantasy gaming is intrinsically railroady. But like I when I run, especially an adventure path, I try to make it feel really organic. You know, that you're coming to these higher level like encounters. Because essentially the stakes of the story are going up, not because like all of a sudden all the third oh, level you need like, to be, you need to be
1: artificially challenged because now you have new pros right, exactly we need, and yeah. we need to test them out and, yeah, and take exactly. them for a spin right
0: like yeah. like where'd all the where'd all the CR three orcs go oh they all left town they heard that you guys hit level four and they <laughs> left town now only CR four orcs live here you know what I'm saying like, you know it's not that's not how I run it and I don't think that the guys who write it intend you to run it that. No,
1: no it's a story and basically hey it's living and it's like okay if you want to go on raffle stomp some peasants okay and you can try to have I mean I don't I don't know why you would ho- hopefully you've got players that, that aren't really into that but it's like it's like okay yes you can interact with the setting you're more powerful now you're a bit li- little more of a world you're a scene shaker but but there's always going to be somebody else more powerful or whatever it's like you know it's it's again i mean you can sort of tell a story i guess without adding levels which i guess is sort of the uh, i think i've heard a criticism of the apocalypse world system is like as, as you do it in a campaign mode you get a little bit additional abilities but you don't feel like you're really growing and you know i don't know i've never well been able to play yeah. an apocalypse world I in mean, more than a one-off so like
0: like like here's the thing and this goes back to what i've said on our glory hound presents uh uh, appearances that I've been making. I said this on the last episode. I was talking to Daryl about it. And the, Apocalypse World games are not about acquiring power. They're not about acquiring power and gaining continual, like linear, like logarithmic, yeah, yeah. kind of like power growth. It is about uh, influencing narratives. And um, if you're the kind of person who thinks that the intrinsic act of role playing is going to be about like accumulating powers and like levels and skills and stuff like that, then then if, then Apocalypse Engine type yeah, games not are going to, be, to appeal. They're gonna be very disappointing to you. But if you want to approach role playing as in like um, I want to affect the story. Then Apocalypse World is your jam. And and, and that kind of goes back to what we were very first talking about, at the very beginning of the episode. where We are talking about the GM who's sitting there, like. Yeah, you know, or you
1: can get the characters. I mean, Apocalypse World, you get the characters interacting with each other, where you as a you just sit back and watching them carry the story. It's like. Sure. It feels amazing. And then I had a few of those moments in the Beyond the Wall game with with Daryl and Ashley, and a couple other folks, is a and I mean, they took it. It's like, oh, this was supposed to be a four hour thing, and now it's going to be eight hours at least because they're, and you know, it's like, well, that wasn't happening, but it's happening now because their paranoia or whatever, or their creativity brought that up. <laughs> it's like, okay, I like that idea that that was already planned. See, so
0: yeah, I, I feel like you can get if, if you if you encourage role playing at your table and you have players who are game, you can make any game kind of have that life, that 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 zest in it. Um. But what Apocalypse World and what narrative games really uh, like emphasize to me is the ability of the player to say, um, "I have an idea about how I want the world to work, the campaign world, and I would like to in- incept something oh, yeah. into yeah, it." Yeah, there's
1: a little bit of cooperative world building.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like what kills me is that like there's this meme that goes around by some smug like you know fancy gamer guy, and he goes in my homebrew game i have a little power called i know a guy and if 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 a player wants to do something they just say i know a guy and then an npc materializes that they know that can help them with that and i'm just like wow you're so clever you just invented narrative <laughs> gaming 10 years ago like i go go get a in a fucking delorean and like travel back to the 90s and tell yourself this amazing innovation that we've all known about like, but you see, fantasy gamers yeah, passing this discoverer. meme around. Like, yeah. this is like, oh, they're patting themselves on the back for being so smart and figuring this out. It's like, dude, it's role playing, guys. If there's only one dude at the table who's full of the big ideas, and there's five people sitting there who aren't allowed to affect the setting, come on, that's a that is so inefficient. That's the most in, oh, uh, inefficient oh, thing it I've is ever inefficient. said
1: huh it, it is an efficient uh, you know counter to that though is and that's where i'm not full. i've ran monster of the week enjoyed it but it, where i'm a little bit i don't know uh nervous slash it's like it's like wow it's like but i really love world building that's the thing i love it's like i don't I, my precious i, I don't want to share it you know so it's like I'm, I'm still not fully there of like okay it's like but i mean but yeah but, but, but I actually i think probably what but and beyond the wall where you basically literally build the village the back on it you're drawing on a piece of paper oh that's awesome you're drawing the stuff that hey this is the blacksmith that's so-and-so's father and you're drawing it's like but when so when the actual experience though it was felt very freeing and very and also just very exciting to, yeah because they were coming you know so that you weren't carrying all the burden but you but basically they were just basically the things they were saying or or figuring out from their character backgrounds that basically we're constantly popping seeds in your head. It's like, well, that's going to happen later. That's right. going to come up later. It's really well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, are you stoked for uh for uh Crimson Throne?
1: I'm stoked for your game. Even talking about this gets me more excited thinking yeah. about thinking about you know basically just getting together with a group of people and yeah you know, playing the heck out of this.
0: Yeah, I kind of want this to be my ongoing my ongoing gig. So uh, I kind of want to get through all six books. I kind of want to play for a couple years, a couple of years. Oh, good. You, I mean, you, you, you hope, hopefully you get
1: a couple, you know, Brandon's got a lot of irons in the fire. Hopefully you Ugh. get a couple of those finished off and he'll have the, the, the yeah. time to commit to this.
0: Yeah, man. And so, um, okay. So, so, so to wrap up final thoughts, you've played some, uh, PF2. What oh are, yeah. PF2. Yeah. <laughs> What are your thoughts? Uh, it's
1: some things I like better. Some thing, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in their design team because some of the things like, you know, the character, basically skill feat, you're going to get a feat at every level, but they're thematic, like this is a skill feat. So it's a little bit... It's a little bit flatter, so there is So isn't... you
0: have to choose a skill feat. You'll be saying, "Oh, you get a yeah, skill yeah, feat at this yeah, level." This, yeah, so oh, it's, that's it's, actually really cool.
1: It's a little bit, yeah. So it's some of those things, and it's a little bit flatter. It looks like the power acceleration won't be quite as steep. It's going to be, it's, I think, it'll be more than D and D five, but not as much as uh, Pathfinder one. But then they have like complicated things of like, okay, there's, it's not negative con or negative 10 to death. It's like you got six level or five levels of dying. And it's like, you fail you know, like you fail this, you go to dying one, you do this and you go back. It's like this, it's like <laughs> a mechanics where they put in a mechanic where you didn't even get, you know, don't, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's like, it's like, don't make change for changes sake. You know, uh, leave that to, you know, executives at a company where they reorganize and do the org chart again for the, the fourth time this year where, <laughs> hey, change simulating progress. So I'm a little bit frustrated in that that it feels like. So it's like some things I like better, some things I don't like as much. But it's like it feels like it's a missed opportunity. Wow. What, 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 what
0: do you think they missed?
1: Just that, you know, that you don't need to have you, know, you don't need to totally rebuild the game. You, you could have kept some of the things. And they kept feats and sort of. I mean, I think it's they need to ask the question when they're adding in these systems, these new systems. Is this enhancing the experience or is this just clever? It felt like it felt like Ooh. some cleverness. It felt it's like no, I don't need your cleverness. Is this enhancing the gameplay? And what? And and you
0: don't think some of this stuff does.
1: I think some does and some doesn't. And I, and I think just if they would, you know, I, you know, but again, that's my personal opinion. Other people might feel like, Hey, this is, it's, this is cats. Meow. This is great. This is what I've been waiting for.
0: It seems to have kind of been picking up because I feel like it came out when they announced the, uh, the alpha or whatever, the beta, it was in, uh, it was at Gen Con 2018. They were selling that thing and then they were selling the core book at Gen Con 2019. And, uh, They definitely weren't selling... I mean, first of all, at Gen Con 2018, they were selling those damn beta books like Hand Over Fist. Like Hand Over Fist. (sighs) I feel like the core books weren't selling quite as hot at uh, Gen Con 19, but I feel like... Some of the salt has died down. Some of the murmurs yeah. are, I'm never going to oh, play yeah. there's, it. There's
1: still, I mean, there's still some of, yeah, it's not quite, it's not, yeah, the, the, there's not a big old pack of, of peasants with pitchforks and torches ready to go to Redmond, Washington and burn Paizo down, but there's still a few, you know, there's still a few people that are going to drive by and lava Molotov. <laughs> you know,
0: well, what do you mean, should I pick it up? Is it worth picking up, or did, uh, well, you, did you pick it up? My, did you buy
1: it? Yeah, I did. I went over to we have a local store that that does some, you know some discounts. It's like because it's this is like a what is it a sixty dollar book or some ridiculous six hundred page yeah. monster? Again, art's beautiful. Pages are wonderful. You know the the thickness of the pages, high production value, but sixty bucks a lot of money. Sure, you know. Uh, so, uh, so I got a discount, but I'm in retrospect, it's like that fifteen dollar PDF I bought. That probably would have been fine, and I think and a part of that's when it's a six hundred page book. You want to be able to type and look at crap instead of thumb through. It starts to become un- very unwieldy.
0: Oh yeah, which Jesus. Is,
1: you know, it's and again, that's probably my flavor in gaming now over the years is I'd like a nice hundred fifty page game.
0: See, book. see, I've gotten to this point where it's like I've kind of immersed myself so much into that narrative, like story game world, where it's like you know they, like a big line for some of those books is like oh hey well, there's like three books in this line there's like four you know like Holy whoa smoke. whoa four books core book and three supplements you know and um and then you don't even need the three supplements like basically i mean uh, there's there's certain pbta games that like based on just like how you know threats work in every PBTA game, and clocks work in most PBTA games and stuff like that. Like I don't even read the second half. You don't really need to. You just need to know what the playbooks are and the moves, and then you can just sit down and run it. You know what I'm saying?
1: One well, plus with the players contributing, you basically yeah. you can have adventures that write themselves. They write partially.
0: themselves. You don't need all that shit. So um, I'm, but there's this taste that's come back in me where I'm just like. No, I want to have a game that requires like 18 source books to run. So seriously, the size of my uh, Pathfinder collection since I decided I'm running Curse of the Crimson Throne has tripled. Like tripled. I just I mean I I went ham. I bought well, so much shit. Well, I
1: presume for the players it's gonna be just core book and core maybe APG, but the rest of that stuff is for the threats and
0: totally, yeah. I'm I, there is no way I'm letting people go through all that and be all like, I'm gonna pick out a bunch of dumb powers from a bunch of dumb books. You uh, know?
1: It's so painful. Yeah, it really is. I, I ran that even I ran one of the APG and it's like, Oh, you can have one thing from another book. But I had a power gamer
0: in the game and, of it, course goes, you and did. it and
1: it just I just you know, I just sucked the life out of me and the game ended up ending after ten sessions and
0: Ten sessions ain't bad.
1: Well it was just and it kind of you know, ended up with some hard feelings and, and I Ugh. and I look back and I look back, I didn't know these people really well, so that maybe was part of the I didn't you know, the vetting wasn't but it's I think I look back, it's like I should have handled that differently
0: yeah hindsight's 2020 man you know you always do the best that you can in the moment you do the best that you can in the moment um well dude i'm really stoked for you to come be coming over on a weekly basis here soon and playing some fucking pathfinder man you stoked That's good yeah i'm excited
1: yeah heck yeah
0: and i just want to take a second i want to give a shout out to all the uh og uh council of thieves crew to uh to taylor what up man i know you listen to the show thank you for that experience because i cherish it to uh, Dustin, to the notorious Ben Bailey, who uh, kind of came in at the end, to the mysterious Jeff, and to uh, Yona, the god, who uh, never ended up being a god, and of course to Rosa, my ex-wife, I hope you are doing well wherever you are. Um, so what what do you think, man?
1: That's good, man. We had a wrap. We've, we uh, wrapped on this. You were right. I was uh, skeptical about how long this would last, and we have just <laughs> yammered
0: on ad nauseum. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Sure. Have a good night. Yeah. We're out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Full Metal RPG. We are sponsored by Exalted Funeral. Check them out for RPG Metal and Esoterica needs. Right now, they have a Kickstarter going on. It's an uh, OSR oh, zine called called bunker and that's by haunted meat so please please go take a second go check that out we would also like to thank our patrons over at patreon check that out if you would like to join check out patreon.com slash full metal rpg you can always find us on our email, fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com, our Discord, tinyurl.com slash Fullmetal Discord, and Instagram and Facebook is just full metal RPG. So find us there, kids. Thank you very much, and have a good night.